Welcome back to the What Was That Podcast. I'm Christina. And I'm Sean. Happy to have you back again. Uh, so as promised, we are going to do Bobby Mackey's. It will be two parts. So starting off, we had no audio files at all. We had two FLIR tapes, but I was not about to go through them because there's no sound, so all I would see is colors for hours upon hours. But we were just discussing before we came on the air that we remember we caught something. We just can't remember what what trip it was, the first or second trip, and it looked like a woman in Johanna's dressing room. Yeah, it it looks like a floating apparition that was if I'm not if I'm not remembering this incorrectly was colder than the surrounding air, so it was like a yellowish, greenish figure going from right to left, I think, I think. So. but yeah. the rest of it, because it was in the middle of summer, so the basement area was hot, so it was reading red, if I remember correctly, but the figure that was outlined was much cooler than the surrounding environment. Yep. So I know I talked uh, last episode about why we're doing this, and mainly because we're trying to preserve what little we have left because technology has grown leaps and bounds since we were in the field. We actually, it's the end of an era, our clamshell, I don't know if it's a clamshell or our battery pack died. So we had no way to view our Hi8 tapes. So I had to buy an old Sony, what is it, Handycam with the night shot, which is what we had back in like 2009, 2010. Buy adapters, I had to hook it up to the TV to go through these tapes. So the more we get these episodes done, the better because the technology is just outrunning us right now. Well, yeah, technological advancement just is it's going in leaps and bounds every couple years, it seems. It's like I was looking online for, uh, like, a, I guess a camera setup for when, because you were talking about filming lectures, like in a room rather than filming them with a PowerPoint. And it's just insanely expensive, but ex- also extremely complex on how they operate anymore. Yeah, I told you that I was looking for, just out of curiosity, how much one of those ghost box costs, which you can see on Portals to Hell. It's $2,000 starting price. I don't remember equipment being that expensive when we were starting out. I would I would say that um, Bill Chappell's um, ITC devices that he was making, like the Obelisk and things like that, were expensive, but it wasn't $2,000. It was like upwards between four and $500, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. That was considered expensive. Yeah. And now that's considered relatively inexpensive in today's, today's economy and today's dollars. Yep. So as we mentioned previously, we visited two times. Once without me, you guys went in 2009. And then we went again in 2010. So we have two tapes from 2009 only one tape from 2010. So when we say the name Bobby Mackey's, those that are in the paranormal field are probably pretty familiar. It's been on every show you can think of. Ghost Adventures, they've been there two times, three times. Ghost Hunters, Portals to Hell, Paranormal Lockdown. So if you're unfamiliar with Bobby Mackey's, go look up those shows and go look up those episodes. You'll kind of get a background for why this place was so crazy back then. I I think Bobby Mackey's is also pretty interesting when it comes to the the ghost hunting culture in a way, too. Mm -hmm. And that's because I remember 
what episode what what season was it is toward the end of when the original run of ghost hunters where it seems like taps was going to all the places that the ghost adventures crew did to try to debunk and try to false basically try to make zach and them look bad mm-hmm. and they went to bobby Mackey's and they didn't have any experiences and they didn't catch anything and people were angry with them because everybody that went after the ghost adventures episode had like things happen mm-hmm. and they caught a, a, amazing amounts of evidence while they were there and so it, it that's really really i want to say that was probably the beginning of the battleground between like the ghost adventures crew and taps even mm-hmm. though the cast members themselves were were friendly with one another and weren't trying to out compete anybody but it was the fans that was really fighting back and forth with one another yep so i'll go into the history which there's not a lot of a lot of it's folklore so the full name of the place is bobby Mackey's music world and it's located in wilder kentucky um they have a Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and a regular website, www.bobbymackeys.com. And I love their saying on the website, come for the ghosts and stay for the music. So first and foremost, we do say that it is a music venue. It just happens to be haunted. And if I remember to, I will try to post pictures before the episode drops on Facebook. So the first source is Wikipedia, so take that with a grain of salt. You know, you type in Bobby Mackey's and it brings you to Wikipedia. So Bobby Mackey's himself, I don't know if it was him or his father, purchased the property in 1978 when it was operating as a roadhouse slash bar. Speaking of roadhouse, what a great movie. (laughs) So keep in mind that... Throughout this, the history has turned more into folklore as more teams and organizations have gone to this place and tried to research this place. The main story is that supposedly it was a slaughterhouse in the 19th century that was torn down, and that's where the current music building stands. It was during this time that it was a slaughterhouse or it was abandoned as a slaughterhouse that someone named Pearl Bryan was murdered. And supposedly her head was dumped in the old well of the slaughterhouse. Now, there is a well on the property. But documents actually show that her body was found 2.5 miles away at Fort Thomas. So there's some conjecture whether or not. I mean, she was definitely murdered, but whether it was there or not. Yeah, that, that that's unfortunately what comes to with the whole uh, folklore or the mythology of the place I, th- I think mythology is the right way of thinking about it because as people try to do research and you mentioned wikipedia it's almost like it's it's like all of the mythology and folklore and history it all kind of gets muddled together on wikipedia because it's open source anybody can add information and edit at any time mm-hmm. so another story is that during the 1940s a pregnant dancer named johanna supposedly committed suicide after her father, Robert Randall, murdered her lover. Now, there's no, like, historical documents that actually um, prove or disprove that um, particular story. Yeah, all the, the sites I went to, yeah, there's nothing that proves that, but people do have interactions with a woman spirit there, so... 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not the case. It's just, it, it's there's so, no hard history behind it. Yeah, and, and it's just funny because if you think about it, the Johanna story, it's almost like similar to like Romeo and Juliet. It's this tragic love story of two star-crossed lovers, and the families don't get along, even though there's not much known about Robert Rand. Robert Randall, that's the lover, correct? That, I, could, that was, I didn't know if that was the lover or her dad. But. I, it, it's hard, it, yeah, it, it's hard to parse out these names, but I mean, it's it's very similar to Romeo and Juliet in the sense of, of that whole tragic love story kind of thing that has a tragic ending with the lover's death and then her suicide. So it's, it's, it, it's almost like mysterious places like this with uh, muddled histories, they tend to Come archetypal in a sense that the that the, these stories that we know, it's almost like they get drawn from and kind of retold within the context of, of whatever location it is that you know you're trying to research. I think when we were talking about Stretcher's Neck, wasn't there a story there about a, a love story that went wrong and the yeah. guy was killed on the train tracks? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So my second source was the TravelChannel.com. Now, they do have Jeff Belanger, who does a lot of their background history. But still, it's Travel Channel, it's media, so take it with a grain of salt. But they claim that the slaughterhouse was constructed in 1850 to serve northwest Kentucky and Cincinnati, Ohio. It closed in the 1890s, and that's when the supposed satanic cults took over the building. So, Wikipedia and several news sources state... That there was satanic cults there, but of course nothing can be verified. And, and, and what 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 decade or what what year span was this? Supposedly after the 1890s, I guess when it was setting abandoned before it got torn down, satanic cult went in there and I wonder, did stuff. I wonder when the genesis of that story started going around. I don't think it was during the satanic panic because that was later. Yeah, I that, I understand that, but there's a. Again, it's one of those stories that seems to, like, different mysterious places where there's not a lot of things known. These older stories tend to be retold and reshaped to fit the context. Because, remember, there's this, uh, what was it? It was like an old cabin or an old house out somewhere close to where we were living at the time. Where the the, the story is there's this group of kids that were playing D&D and their characters died and so they ended up like committing suicide in the same manner that their characters oh, did. Oh yeah, yep. And that the supposedly the 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 house is so damn haunted that like people have fainted and people have blacked out and that there's satanic uh what would you say sat- satanic symbols carved into into the walls and into the table and apparently the original D&D sheets are there and they carve the stats into the table just really bizarre mythology to this place. So, it, but the mythologies are similar. Mm-hmm. So it was. I was just kind of wondering if during the whole satanic panic, when everybody was looking for satanic cults and all of that, I wonder if that kind of got absorbed into the stories of the history. Oh, of these places. okay. Like kind of like an add-on. Yeah, okay. kind of like an afterthought, you know, because the satanic panic was just a mass. Uh, Hysteria. It was a mass hysteria, <laughs> and it was a social contagion as well that spread all over the place. And so it wasn't just you know the satanic panic dealing with uh, like say music at the time or or Dungeons and Dragons, for example, had that kind of thing to it. Magic the Gathering also kind of caught was what caught in the tail end of that. 
Well, speaking of music, I just listened to a podcast this afternoon, um, Case File. Go check that out if you haven't. It's a true crime podcast. And he was covering a story out of South Africa. They were called, I cannot pronounce the name, but they were two rapists that went around that were big into, like, Satanism. And their defense was that they were possessed by demons when they raped and tried to kill this one girl. And it was during that whole satanic panic so it spread all over the globe i didn't know that i thought it was just like u.s canada yeah it was like an Amer- a north american phenomenon but apparently it's a worldwide phenomenon yeah well it makes sense that it would be because woodchester mansion's that big haunted mansion in england that has like ties oh, to witchcraft true. and things like that and they've also kind of put like i guess copied and pasted the satanic thing to that as well trying to account for why it's so damn haunted according to you know british uh Historians and paranormal enthusiasts. Yep. I've actually tried to use a tool I use at work and gain like land records to see what I could find out about like that parcel or the building sits on. I couldn't get access unless I paid for it. So yeah, I, I didn't want to pay for it. I don't blame you. So uh, Travel Channel on their website also claims, as mentioned previously, about Pearl Bryant's head being dumped down the old slaughterhouse well. This well supposedly was used to hold the blood and guts and waste from the slaughterhouse, and I guess it took it off-site. Yeah, I think it was supposed to flush it into the river or something like that, which was a common practice in the the early 1900s, or or early 1800s, let's say. And then I think they're... I don't even know how they dispose of all of that today with today's... uh, slaughterhouses where they do meat processing and everything else but i mean it was a common practice back then so i mean um it it, i guess it's it's what a perfect canvas to project out a horrific detail as such Mm -hmm. so the travel channel also claims that the roadhouse casino club which is the current building was built in the 1920s. So that means the slaughterhouse had to be torn down between 1890 and 1920. In 1933, after Prohibition ended, it became the Primrose, and it was rumored that the mob took over. So it's had quite a history. That's an interesting story, too, because I, I don't ever recall, like the mob ever coming this far east other than like say new york city but that's italian mafia but if we're talking prohibition mobs or or gangs let's say well, illinois it, chicago yeah you had chicago you had uh what al capone and, but that was when he was in eastern state and this and is in, in northern Philly. kentucky so maybe who knows it, it's yeah it's quite possible but and apparently like there's some truth behind that i think i wrote it down here later i read it somewhere that there's actually like court cases that say like there was actually mob activity at that place. So. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not surprised because prohibition was a big thing, and you had moonshine was a hell of a an enterprise in Kentucky around the time of prohibition. Mm-hmm. I want to say Kentucky, Tennessee, parts of Virginia and West Virginia all had like speakeasies and dealt with moonshine and and, and boot bootlegged liquor during that time. So uh, it's not unheard of, but in the same I, I guess, what would you say at the, at the same time? It's like, that's an unlikely place that you would expect, like, mafiosos yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, so, I found an article in the Cincinnati Observer from 2019 that states that the old well 
had a tunnel that led out to Licking Creek, and that was used in pro, pro, Prohibition. Thank you. And I think, didn't Ghost Adventures, didn't they find that tunnel? I want to say they found like a culvert or a pipe that ran out to the either the creek or the river there that runs behind the place, and they were crawling in the the there, and that's where they said they heard like uh, a woman's voice or like people talking in the. Okay, that's right. In the because I think they crawled into the culvert or into the little. I'm not there. It was probably poor Aaron. I'm sure Zach <laughs> demanded Aaron to crawl in. Pro- there. Probably. <laughs> So, the story is that the old bow was apparently discovered after a hole was cut in the building's floor. I don't know what this news source is, but it, there's some sort of news for the South. So, I found an article on the Bitter Southerner that states there actually has been, like, real tragedy near the site. In the 1990s, a car lost control and smashed into the telephone pole that's in front of the club and all the occupants were killed. That's pretty interesting. Do they have any names or or anything that kind of tells you about the victims? I don't think I wrote it down. Because you mentioned female spirits, so I, I wonder if it was possible. That Johanna is actually one of the occupants of this. Or, or perhaps the ghosts of Bobby Mackey's are tied to the, the car accident in the 90s rather than, you know, all the mythology to it. Because, you know, the idea is, okay... If we're going to invest, if you're going to investigate a place and you're going to try to do the history, you want to ground it in as much factual um, history as you can. And you know, well, and this article does state that Pearl Bryan again was killed, and we know that two people were hanged for her murder. I forget their names. Alonzo Walling and something Jackson, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Was it Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling? I think are the names. I think so. And she actually was decapitated, but they believe that that was a ploy to um, make the identification of the body. Yeah, it was, uh, what do they call that, a forensic, uh, like a, a forensic red herring or, or something yeah. like that, where you, you try to um, keep, make it as difficult as possible to identify the victim so that way the perpetrators get away. Yep. So, they said whether she was killed because her boyfriend was a Satanist is speculation, but, I mean, she she was killed, so... Yeah, and we don't even know if her head was actually in that well to begin with. Yeah. So, again, this is where the I, this is where you have fact, right? Pearl Bryant was killed, that's a fact. Those two guys were found guilty and hung, so they were put to death for it, so that's fact. But it seems like the facts have got to become mythologized and became legend and became part of the legend of Bobby Mackey. So I think that's the right way of thinking about that. Yeah. So we'll um, dive into the hauntings real quick. On, well, the main haunting, of course, is the supposed well that's a portal to hell. People hear noises, voices, everything else. Growls. Growls. And Zach got scratched after he said the famous line. <laughs> yeah. You want to say it? If this is a portal hell, come out of the ground and come get us. And then uh, he lived to regret those words <laughs> with all those scratches. And then uh, we tried to recreate that to see what would happen. Yeah, because I heard on the video, I heard you say that, and I laughed, and then nothing, nothing. Yeah, happened. nothing happened. Yep. And and then Gene was like, "Well, this is this is because uh, we've got these crucifixes here. We need to get rid of those, and let's see what happens." <laughs> 
Uh, there's the steps to nowhere that are in the basement. I don't remember what that background or that story is. They're weird steps that... I, I think what it is is when they were... See, the, everybody, this is this is where, where you get into the whole mythology and trying to separate it from reality. They make it sound like the steps just go to nowhere, like it's some mysterious thing. It's quite possible that that was an entrance to the stage from the dressing rooms downstairs, but when they may have... Because you never know if it's been renovated, and let's say, let's say, well, yeah, got, how many people has been so many different things over the years? Yeah, and so I'm sure that renovations have occurred at, at some point in between that. And let's, what's to say that okay, well, they put a new floor down and decided to cover up the entrance from the dressing rooms to whichever the stage, for example, that might be. Remember when we went to the Edgar Allan Poe house in Philly? I think they had stairs like that, and I think old houses back in the day. I mean, look at the you plantation a, house. There's little stairways everywhere. So. Yeah, and, and they were literally like stairways down to the cellar to make things more accessible so you didn't have to go like outside and around. And then as they updated or remodeled, they just kind of covered it up. And But because of the historical significance, you can't really tear the stuff down. So it just it's like a doorway to nowhere. Yep. So the apartment that's upstairs, so this is like above... I guess I should probably explain by Mackie. So there's the basement, then there's the main building that's like the music hall. They have a pool there, a stage, and then up above that's an apartment. And that apartment is supposedly haunted by Carl, who was possessed by working there. There's actual, like, there's not hard documentation to prove that he was possessed, but there are videos out there, so you can YouTube them. Yeah, there's videos make your own, of, make his, your own of his exorcism, yeah. Yep. Um, the men's bathroom is supposed to be haunted. Voices, things thrown. Often um, get smell of roses and perfume. Bobby Mackey's wife was actually pushed down the stairs. That was in the apartment upstairs, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I was reading my, my notes. I have headless ghost of BB. I think that's supposed to be PB, Pro Brian. <laughs> yeah, they, they say you can see her headless apparition all over the all over the club. Uh, lights go on and off by itself. The jukebox plays by itself. And frequent shadow people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I know this is a strange segue, but this is a story that I think needs to be talked about. Is uh, and, and, you know, you, you kind of have to blame the people that run the, the the facilitate people going to places to ghost hunt when they try to I guess hype the building up to kind of sell it. Mm-hmm. Chuck, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. Sorry, I hate to. I know this is probably embarrassing, but you, the first time we went, or maybe it was the second time, Thaddeus bought a cowboy hat. Like that was the big, second time because I remember that I was here for yes, yes. So so Thaddeus buys this big. Big old cowboy hat for shits and giggles. I think it was because we were going back to Bobby Mackey's. It's the middle of Kentucky, and he just and figured, they, why not? Ghost Adventures also caught a, a shadow figure of a guy wearing a hat. So I think he was kind of being—he's being that. Yeah, he but he wore that damn hat the entire night. He mm-hmm. never took it off. And so then we go down into the basement, and I think Chuck is using the camcorder, or there there was. I, it wasn't I, on the tapes, unfortunately. Cause I wish it was. I was looking for it, but there was. I don't know what the light source was, but you see the silhouette of someone wearing a cowboy hat, and Chuck freaks the fuck out. Excuse my language, but he freaks out. He runs. He's like, cowboy hat, cowboy hat, cowboy hat, shit, 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 cowboy hat. And just starts running, and Chuck's like, 
or and, and Thaddeus was like, Chuck, look who's wearing a damn cowboy hat down here. And he's like, oh. Poor Chuck. <laughs> oh, God. That was, that was, that, that's, but again, I, 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 I understand you want people to come to your place to, to check it out because that's how you make money for renovations and how to update it and to, and to keep the places still standing for future generations. I totally, I totally yeah. get it and understand it. But at the same time, it's like you kind of people the way they are, they, they look for patterns when they expect something to happen and they look for it and then they, they get hyped. Well, a lot of these places that you go to, like Bobby Mackey's, Moundsville, Trans-Allegheny, you have a tour. Waverly Hills, you have a tour before you start your investigation. They really, like, hype up the evidence and, like, get you scared. Or you get more on edge. I wouldn't say you get scared, but you get on edge. Yeah, on edge. Yeah. And then you start looking for things because we're we're pattern-recognizing creatures that's what we do we recognize things in patterns and so we start looking for those and then you kind of hype yourself up and then when you mistakenly see something that you think is something it scares the shit out of you or if something genuinely happens then it really scares the crap out of <laughs> yeah. you so i usually cover the what um evidence people capture on the tv shows but there's just like Way too much. There's way yeah. too many episodes. Yeah, so. I mean, every time that you... If you just go on YouTube or you go on Amazon Prime or wherever and you want to watch Ghost Adventures, just type in Ghost Adventures Bobby Mackey's. I think they went three times. Oh, uh, there was two of them. So I would... The third one was that weird ex- exorcism with the bishop. I would just watch the original Bobby Mackey's and the return to Bobby Mackey's. Yeah. That, I would also watch the... Paranormal Lockdown and the Portal to Hell episodes. I think actually all of those are on Discovery Plus. Yeah, and you can you can check it out and and come up with your own ideas to what you think's going on, and and then you can watch the Ghost Hunters episode where they didn't catch anything. Yeah. Yep. Because I mean it it's worth seeing both sides of, of the investigation. Yep. So yeah, this place has a complicated and long history with. Well-documented paranormal activity. So the next episode, the part two, is going to be our actual evidence. But I think we should end the episode with some creepiness. So let's talk about our personal experiences there before we get into the evidence. So I was too chicken shit, let's be (laughs) serious, to go the first time. But what can you tell me about the first time you guys went there? Because I only saw a little bit of the investigation on the tapes. Kevin Gross heard a growl, and I think it was caught on one of the cameras, or maybe it was caught on an audio file that we don't have. But he did hear a growl because he wondered who was trying to be a jackass and scare him, and then realized that there was really nobody else down there but him and a couple, like I think a couple of the gals that were with us. And so it wouldn't have been them, I don't think. Um, personal experiences. He mentions in the tape, and we'll get into it in the second episode, that he gets touched. Do you remember the backstory on that? I, I do not remember the backstory of that at all. I okay. know that uh, when we were trying to taunt stuff, uh, we did notice some atmospheric changes. And what that means is it's not so much barometric pressure or changes in the air temperature, but it's you. It's hard to describe when you start to feel an oppressive presence. 
It's like, like almost like if someone's like up in your face aggressively, you're going to feel that. Things get like, we always like to say it gets darker than dark. Like the room yeah. actually feels like it's getting darker than what it is. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like your your perceptions and your senses all, your senses, your senses heighten, your perception changes where things get a whole, whole lot darker and your body responds uh, accordingly. Physiologically, your heart rate increases, you become sweatier, you're on edge. And you you might even have, like, you know, uh, heightened anxiety, I think is a good is a good way of describing that. Um, but as far as, like, any actually decent evidence, I don't think we caught any really good evidence on either trip. Well, the first one you did, and we'll talk about it. I, we, don't have the, we don't have the picture anymore, but you guys really... Tried to debunk it. You got something interesting, but things happen to people afterwards. Yeah, right? that that's 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 where, what's hard to explain. Yeah, it's, it's the thing. That's the, yeah, it's the it's the events that happen post investigation. And uh, what happened to you after the first investigation? Oh, let's see. Uh, all of the cabinets in the kitchen and the. At, me and my ex-wife's house were completely opened. So that was like you woke up one morning, all of the cabinets were open in the kitchen? Yep. Um, we heard Maggie giggling in our room, but, and so we thought she got out of her bed to come into our room. She's fast asleep in her room. Oh, I didn't know that. That's creepy. Yeah, it was after that that, uh, my ex was dead set against uh, any further going back to that place after that. That um, and and if her moods became very dysregulated and and uh, very hard to predict. I, I, she was more irritable than she typically would be. Mm-hmm. Not saying something. <laughs> I mean, th- these are things that I noticed. Yeah. Did Kevin Gross have anything happen? I think he... I think his parents heard stuff in his house that he didn't hear, because I think he got up and got met with uh, by Barbara Gross with the business end of a shotgun one night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Chuck... Remember Chuck? Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't, I, I don't remember if anything happened with Kevin Worsnack that first time, but I think Kevin and Katie... Because Katie was there the second time. Mm, yeah, she wasn't on the tapes, but yeah. And I think uh, I think something messed with them when they went back to uh, Kevin's dad's house. That was Moundsville. They woke had... up the next. They woke up one morning and the front doors open. All the animals were out of the house. I thought that was Moundsville. That may. Have, may I don't that know. That may very well have been, but. Did anything happen to us the second time after we got back? I don't remember. I know I know during the investigation, uh, I don't think anything happened to us there, but on the way back. I, I wonder, Chuck, didn't something weird happen with Chuck on the way back? We were in the hotel room and Chuck wasn't acting right. Yeah, he was like staring off into space yeah, and, and, yep. and acting really off. And then you and Chuck left and I left with Gene and Angel which I thought was really strange, but I think it's because we didn't have enough room for everybody, and I ended oh, up volunteering yeah. to stay back, I think. I think so. I do remember... Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Thank you, COVID brain. 
the hell was I gonna say? Um, didn't didn't things uh go crazy at Gene's house? Oh yeah. I was gonna say afterwards, didn't he say he kept hearing people like walk around the his perimeter of his house? Yeah, I think stuff was moving inside of his house too, because I think his roommate at the time was like walking around and uh stool got pulled out and he tripped over it and fell. Yeah, yep. So I did get brave and I went the second time. Um, I think it was you, me, Thaddeus, Chuck, Katie, Kevin, and did Kevin Gross go a second time? I can't remember. I, I think he did. Okay. I think he did. The first thing I remember is being in the basement during the daytime and being creeped out. But didn't Chuck, like, creep me out because he thought he saw a shadow or something behind me? So I was just like, nope, not going in the basement again. Oh, God. Was you it? were so mad, too. I remember you being mad. At him or, or, or just in general? Uh, uh, because he said that. He was like, I just saw a shadow behind you, Christina. And you were like, really? She's freaked out. And you got to say stuff like that? Oh, wow. Um. Now, if I if I remember correctly, that second time wasn't I building up the 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 courage to go down in the basement by myself and lock the door for thirty minutes behind me to see what the hell was going to happen? I think you did, but there's no tape of it, and I think I have it written here. I was talking about it, and I think I was getting ready to go do it, and shit changed. And I was like, nope. I think you opened the basement door and you were just like, the energy was weird. You were like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I changed my mind at the last minute. I was yep. like, yeah, no, that, that, that's just not going to happen. I, I thought I didn't go down again, but the dressing room was down there. I remember going to the dressing room, so I must have got the courage and went down there. I think there you and night. Katie went and you told, and I think I told Chuck to like, no, you're you're not going with the gals because you're just going to creep them out. Oh, stuff. yeah. I felt like there was really no safe space there. I hate using that word, but <laughs> you know how we go to sites and we have, um, have like, command the, center. Yeah. Like, Sweet Springs was that auditorium. That felt okay. Waverly Hills was that one, like, big room. That felt okay. Bobby Mackey's, I felt like there was no, like... There was no getting away from whatever was there that yeah. wanted to make itself uh, felt. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, I was even afraid to go to the bathroom by myself. I do remember that. Yep. I think I made Katie go with me every time. Yeah, that was... That that, that second time wasn't that bad, though, because I think it was, like, early spring, but into winter, so it wasn't extremely yeah. hot. Now, the first time we went was in the middle of the summer, and I was <laughs> so bloody miserable, it's not even funny. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you could tell on the tapes. Oh, God. That was... I, I think that was the first time I ever used Gold Bond powder in my shorts because I sweat so bad. You guys all looked miserable, though. Like, everyone looked really hot. It was hot. It was miserable. I was into doing the Vince McMahon walk, like, pretty much all damn night. Yep, you see it on the camera. I was laughing. And, and Chuck was laughing at me. And, and I think that's when Kevin Gross was like, really, Chuck, really, it's that damn funny when someone's that miserable. I think I was bleeding from my legs because it, they were chafed so bad from all oh, the sweat and how hot it was. And I was wearing shorts for Christ's sake. I know. See, Laura was in like a tank top. Like it looked, it was hot. It looked hot. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad we went when we did the second time though. So the other things that I can remember is being near the stage with Chuck and we could hear, I don't know if we could hear someone singing or if there was music, but I remember 
distinctly hearing that. I think it was music, and yet there was, the jukebox wasn't on. Yeah, but it was faint. It wasn't like... And we never... I don't... If we caught it on camera, we don't have that tape, so... Yeah, and... It was at the time nobody really had smartphones at that time yeah, either. Nope. So so it wasn't anybody's ringtone. Nobody was listening to YouTube or yep. anything like that. Now, we talked about the woman on the fleer. Okay, this is a thing that I was struggling to try to remember. At the end of the night when we were tearing down, you and Chuck got freaked out bad in the basement. But I can't remember why. I was That was when I was going to go down and do my by myself thing. Mm-hmm. And we opened up the door, and like I said, the, the atmosphere, it looked darker than it ever had looked. And this, it, it's pretty damn dark in the daytime it down is. there. And we're is. talking about 2 o'clock in the Ooh, morning. Ooh, I goosebumps. And it just, the air f- even smelled stale. And it typically didn't. It just smelled musty, but this was, like, stale. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm good. But I remember we were like, because there's a hole in the floor where you can run wires. I remember we were pulling up wires and you were like yelling at us to hurry up. And Chuck's like. Yeah, it's because it, it turns so damn depressive down there and the stale air and everything. That And I guess whatever heard me say I was going to challenge it down there and then I chickened out. It just, it, it, it's almost like. And that was like, that's the first time I think I've heard like real fear in your voice. So like your voice was shaking on the, the walkie like. Pull the wire, like, now. Like, get me out of here. Yeah, it it's it's the same fear. It's the same fear I had before I left Central State, where we had that dude that was, like, just hitting people left and, you know, left and right and destroying things. And anytime he would walk and get really, really close to me, and it's like, okay, you know, you need, we need to move. We need to move now. We need to get out of the way. We need... That, that need to get away from a threat. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody down there. Except you and Chuck. Exactly. And so rationally, it's like, okay, there's no nothing there that can hurt me. It's just an empty, dark basement. But yet you can feel that presence of like somebody wanting to cause you harm. That, and that need to get away from a perceived threat. Mm-hmm. Fight or flight is in full, full I think you actually swore at us a few times. Like, that's how, like, upset you were you wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Do you remember anything else about the second trip? Um, there were, we went on, I think it was a Sunday, and there wasn't really anything open for food, so we ended up going fast food. No, didn't we go to a Waffle House? Afterwards, but I think we had McDonald's while we were there, because there was nothing there. And it made people feel a little unwell toward the end of the night. I know we did that at Sweet Springs. I went out and got people McDonald's. I don't remember. I mean, it is. That's not really a big... Wildlord, Kentucky is not a big happening thing. No, no. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Next episode will be evidence and some more discussion. Um, is it really a portal to hell? No, I, I think it's just a, a haunted place. That was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Oh, so you weren't expecting an answer. No. Okay. I was trying to do the Jack Katrina thing. Is this a portal? Portal to hell? <laughs> As he shakes his head. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening.